Today on the Daily Scoop podcast from the Scoop News Group, what's the surprise in the executive order on cooperating with inspectors general? I see this as remarkable that it's being said at all. And the State Department bets big on artificial intelligence. We view AI as an opportunity that can create intelligent protection by giving us the ability to immediately identify and respond to threats, even tracing back to their source. It's Thursday, December 9th, 2021. Welcome to the Daily Scoop podcast. Every afternoon, you'll learn what's going on today in government. I'm the host of the Daily Scoop podcast, Francis Rose. Here's what's happening now. 230 federal employees from 37 agencies are winners of this year's presidential rank awards. The Office of Personnel Management says a virtual screening process allowed 100 review panel members to participate this year. OPM says the winners come from the Senior Executive Service and Senior Level and Scientific and Professional Corps. A big modernization push is coming for the Joint Worldwide Intelligence Communication System, according to the Defense Intelligence Agency's new chief information officer. Douglas Casa took the job in July. He calls JWIC's, quote, the top secret network for the entire federal government. Casa says he's getting support for the effort from Capitol Hill, the Office of the Director of National Intelligence, the Defense Department, and the entire intelligence community. You can read more about these headlines and lots of other stories at fedscoop.com. Agencies have new guidelines for cooperating with their inspectors general. Those guidelines include an emphasis on transparency and accessibility. Robert Shea's National Managing Principal for Public Policy at Grant Thornton, former Associate Director at the Office of Management and Budget. Robert, thanks for coming on the program. What do you see as you look at this new guidance from OMB uh, on working with inspectors general? Welcome. Thanks for having me, Francis. Great to be with you. Um, I, I mean, I see this as remarkable that it's being said at all. You know, there's an enormous tension between inspectors general who have an independence from agency leadership, uh, some fealty, no, not some, fealty to their uh, stakeholders on Capitol Hill. um, And that causes a lot of tension with agency leadership. And so uh, OMB was trying to right the ship of relationship between inspectors general and their agency counterparts by saying the IG plays an important role enshrined in statute in the wake of the Watergate scandal. And they do a lot of good work making sure that we minimize waste, fraud, and abuse, share lessons from past wrongs so that we don't make the same mistakes over again. OMB's point is uh, uh, cooperate make a partner of your inspector general and its staff um, uh, and make sure you're integrating the lessons learned into the way you operate the agency. When you refer to it being remarkable that it was said, is that because it shouldn't have to be said or is that because it wasn't understood and now it's clearly the, the cooperation techniques are clearly delineated? Well, the memo comes from the Office of Management and Budget. Uh, in statute, uh, OM plays an important role, um, sits on the Council of Inspectors General, um, or, or I guess is the executive director of that organization. Um, but it also, uh, it, it could take sides. It could take sides, it could take the side of agency leadership against inspectors general and work to inhibit 
uh, access um, uh, for inspectors general to the information and people they need to do their job. Uh, OMB or the administration writ large could attempt to staff inspectors general with people less qualified or more loyal to the administration, not adequately independent. What this says is agencies and agency inspectors general are independent, have an important role to play. You should cooperate them with them, give them the resources they need, instruct your people to cooperate with them to make sure they can do their job as effectively as possible. I saw two messages read two messages between the lines in this memo, Robert, and I welcome you to correct me if I read them wrong, gently, of course. <laughs> please do, please don't be mean to me. Um, but the first message that I read between the lines is that SIGI as an entity, the Council of Inspector, Inspectors General on Integrity and Efficiency, by the way, the worst name in the history of councils, but they're great people. That's um, for another show. Yeah, uh, exactly. We could... We could we could have a contest. Even Jerry Connolly doesn't like that name. So, but anyway, um, that group as an entity is really important to this administration because they were very explicit in the way that they said we developed this guidance in co- in collaboration with Siggy, and then and, th- and then they're they're called out a number of times in this memo. And the other message that I read between the lines is that uh, the the importance of the work that inspectors general do is a super, super high priority to the administration. And I I almost detected a a tone of you better do this in the way the memo was written. Did I, did I see things that weren't there in your view? No, I think that's right. Traditionally, uh, inspectors general have not been the best collaborators among themselves, but you've seen tremendous cooperation in oversight of economic recovery and pandemic response. The Pandemic Recovery Accountability Committee is probably the best example. That's staffed with and made up of of inspectors general across the government. Um, So uh, I think it's a good thing to see this group mature in their ability to collaborate among themselves because the lessons they can learn by sharing what they're seeing is enormous and you can accelerate improvement um, from that. And of course, uh, you know, the president has a long history of working with inspectors general under the Recovery Act to minimize waste, fraud, and abuse in that experience. He comes to this late after a lot of waste is out the door, enormous amount of fraud in CARES Act and other pandemic response legislation. Um, but I think you're exactly right. Uh, the instruction is we, we, we pay homage to the inspectors general. You should respect they work to do work they do and, and collaborate closely with them in that. If you were in an IG office, how would you leverage that at this point? Well, there's a, there's a, um, a, a draft memo or note that leadership included in the guidance that leadership should be sending to agencies, and I'd wave that around. Um, uh, every time uh, you met, you were met with resistance in trying to do your job overseeing the operations of the agency. Um, and I would leverage leadership, OMB, others in your quest to do your job, should you not be getting the cooperation you need to do that. 
All right. Um, how should the administration judge success in that respect? If they don't hear from the inspectors general complaining, we're not getting cooperation from this or that agency. Is that the the way that we know they won? Well, ultimately, I don't, I don't know if you know this about me, but I'm about outcomes. So uh, <laughs> you've mentioned it a couple hundred thousand times in the years yeah. that we've known each other, my friend. We want to we want to minimize waste, fraud, and abuse. We want to improve the performance of programs. Um, I'm not sure there's a direct line from this guidance to that to that here, but you're right. The um, a reduction in the number of complaints from inspectors general that they're not getting access to the people or information they need to do their job. Uh, not as many complaints that they don't have enough resources. Nobody in this town complains about not enough resource, about too many resources, but, you know, that's just one uh, metric you could look to. Uh, uh, and, you know, generally agreement by agency leadership with the recommendations or findings that inspectors generals are making about the work they're reviewing. Robert Che, thank you very much as always. It's great to see you. Great to be with you, Francis. You can find a link to the EO on Inspectors General in today's show notes at thedailyscooppodcast.com. I'm Francis Rose, the host of the Daily Scoop podcast. Coming on Friday's show, the director of the Office of Personnel Management, Kieran Ahuja, talks about hiring and retaining talent and the chief information officer at the Commerce Department, Andre Mendez, on his agency's move to the cloud. That Daily Scoop podcast debuts Friday afternoon at fedscoop.com and wherever you get your shows. The State Department will keep cutting data centers and move more data to the cloud. The Chief Information Officer at State, Keith Jones, says the department's doing it in high-risk locations overseas. In this highlight of his keynote address to the FedScoop Security Transition Summit, Jones says cybersecurity and diplomacy go hand-in-hand. Hand. Our goal is to both enable and to protect. We strive to equip our diplomats with tech tools they need to excel along with the digital confidence that secure systems provide. In order to do this, we aim to integrate cybersecurity in all aspects of our departmental operations. Cybersecurity is paramount in selecting products and projects we choose to implement at the State Department. It's woven into every stage of our product and project lifestyles, and it's also woven into our culture. My bureau, the Bureau of Information Resources Management, continuously implements security controls to support an ongoing authorization approach to risk management of our assets. Contingency and recovery plans are mandatory for all of our diplomatic missions abroad. They are required for any information system and its components here in the United States. Our policies direct that these plans must be tested to ensure their efficacy. Our plans are then in turn regularly updated to reflect any changes made to the given system. To further enhance our security posture, we have embraced our move towards zero trust architecture to reduce the risk of access and identities being compromised. It is prudent amongst all of you as well to understand who's on the network, what's on the network, and where they are on the network. Here at the State Department, as well as department and agencies across the federal government, we have implemented a vulnerability disclosure plan to help us identify any vulnerabilities to help us close the gaps between risk and mitigation. 
To further help secure our networks, we continue to enhance the security of our platforms and applications resident within cloud, as well as those applications remaining in-house. While leveraging cloud-based solutions has helped decrease our operating costs, the true benefit has come in the form of reducing our risk exposure. With our data stored in the cloud, we have increased our capability and ability to access this data from a multitude of devices, a necessity for the State Department going forward. At the same time, we continue to reduce data storage at locations worldwide, thereby reducing our exposure to high threat locations. Perhaps more importantly, we are routinely collaborating with our partners, first and foremost, across US government agencies and also the private sector. We formally and informally exchange knowledge and information on the ever-evolving cyber threat landscape. I am proud to report that the State Department is now taking a very proactive approach to cybersecurity, including by constantly assessing emerging technologies. We are looking for potential tools that can strengthen our cybersecurity posture and enable us to respond more effectively to cyber incidents. We have to remain competitive in a rapidly changing digital environment. That is why we have been deeply engaged in exploring advanced predictive analytics, artificial intelligence, and machine learning capabilities in support to our diplomatic activities. We view AI as an opportunity that can create intelligent protection by giving us the ability to immediately identify and respond to threats, even tracing back to their source. It may interest you to know that we are exploring context-aware behavioral analytics, next-generation breach detection, virtual dispersive networking, and active defense measures. We look forward to a time when AI can significantly mitigate risk for our department. Our work on emerging technologies also goes beyond AI. We continually assess new network capabilities such as 5G and low earth orbit satellites. We just released our new data strategy as a department, focused on our using data more effectively to carry out our mission, our goals, as well as identify cyber trends and threats more quickly. As we work towards our IT modernization goals, we are actively looking for new cloud-based solutions and services. We want to enable our diplomats to perform their duties more effectively, but also more securely. No matter how advanced our technologies, we must continue to develop our cyber hygiene and the cybersecurity practices of our workforce. Cybersecurity strategy and the tools and controls we use to implement that strategy are only as strong as the habits of our workforce. These are the talented diplomats who use IT we manage. We view user training and awareness as a key opportunity to help secure our networks. We recognize that no matter how many preventive measures are in place, all it takes is one end user to let their guard down, one misconfigured device or implementation, one mispatched or software update, and we put our entire network at risk. The State Department actively promotes cybersecurity awareness and cyber ticks each and every day. We have an enhanced insider threat program that is based on user behavior patterns. We have clear channels of communication for our end users to contact our information security pr practitioners. We recognize that end users are truly paramount to our network protection. Cybersecurity is clearly not possible without talented individuals to perform our duties. 
We continually assess our training offerings in order to keep our workforce ahead of the curve. In fact, this year, we hosted our worldwide cybersecurity symposium throughout the month of October, which truly coincided with National Cybersecurity Awareness Month. At this virtual symposium, our worldwide participants were given the opportunity to learn from cybersecurity subject matter experts on a wide range of topics. We also recognize that we must recruit and retain talent through a competitive benefits package, including leveraged cybersecurity recruitment, incentive, and retention pay for all cybersecurity professionals. Technology diplomacy in cybersecurity, aimed specifically at building relationships, can help counter the spread of cybersecurity criminals and malicious actors. In July of this year, Secretary of State Anthony Blinken spoke at the National Security Commission on Artificial Intelligence Global Emerging Technology Summit. In his speech, the secretary outlined six pillars that form a framework for ensuring that democracy and our way of life prevail in cyberspace. One of the secretary's pillars is focused on promoting cooperation amongst our allies. It clarifies that we cannot go it alone on cybersecurity. We also need partners. I echo that statement today. We need partners at home and abroad. We need to foster cooperation between public and private sectors if we hope to stay ahead in deterring and defeating cyber threats. In closing, we know that technology can be abused for nefarious purposes, but we also know that its promise is truly unlimited. So as long as we actively work together, I am confident we harness technology to build a better world, one where freedom and democracy will prevail. Keith Jones, the Chief Information Officer at the State Department at the FedScoop Security Transition Summit. You can find a link to watch his entire speech in today's show notes at thedailyscooppodcast.com. The Daily Scoop Podcast is available on all the podcast platforms. If you've already rated the show on your platform of choice, thanks for doing that. High ratings and good reviews of the show help more people find it. The Daily Scoop podcast is a production of the Scoop News Group in Washington, D.C. James Mahoney helps me put the show together, and the entire Scoop News Group team contributes. The director of the Office of Personnel Management and the chief information officer of the Commerce Department, both on Friday's show. Until then, I'm the host of the Daily Scoop podcast, Francis Rose. Thanks for listening.